so anytime this is Ryan. <laughs> Aren't they great? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Ryan, you are a delight. Welcome back. Well, All right, well, they say that's the, way, the best way to, uh, you know, you break the tension right off the bat. You figure that shit out, and then you're relaxed, and now we take a deep breath and welcome everybody back to the show and actually get to our job here. How's it going? Great. <laughs> I'm glad you were uh, the one not ready for once. Welcome back, Mrs. Ryan. Welcome back to you at home. Tonight is Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. My goodness, my name is Jay Ryan. This is Nicole Ryan. We are the Ryans. Welcome back to the old late night play set. <clears throat> Mr. Chastler is here, as is our guest, <laughs> Ed, who we've already been getting to know. Uh, backstage, front stage, whatever you want to call that over there. Uh, our guest tonight, actually, I should tell you about, he's a producer. He's a producer. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's a speaker. He's a coach. He's going to be in here in a few minutes. His name is Ed Krasnick. <laughs> Am I pronouncing that properly? <laughs> Oh, shit. Yes, I am. <laughs> Chastler's face peeking behind the curtain is absolutely adorable. We are uh, um, doing this whole thing with a full boat tonight, Mrs. Ryan. Yes. Got uh, a lot of stuff to do, and we've got a guest who has to leave soon. So um, I don't want to talk too much uh, other than uh, how the heck are you doing? We've got to do a check-in with you and then get on with it. Just super tight, but I'm fine. hey Hey. <laughs> I'm hilarious. <laughs> With that, I think it's time to move on down to the East Coast feed. How's that, Mrs. Cool. Ryan? Perfect. We've got East Coast feed. We've got uh, a video tonight uh, that is the remainder, the wrap-up, the final wrap-up from the Lit Weekend, uh, and it's down at the Porsche 356 SoCal Swap Meet from the Phoenix Club. Uh, and then, of course, we've got uh, the rest of the stuff. So East Coast feed first? Yes, please. All right. Checking in with Danbury Chive, and I believe we're home with Brooke and the Casman. I think this is over the weekend, and let's see where they are. Roll it out. Mr. Mrs. Ryan, look, it's Caroline, Brooke, Pop Pop, I have a real case that I stand my feet, uh, well, we'll get the instructions in a minute, but um, apparently Brooke was talking about going to get a pedicure yesterday, and Pop Pop, how do you take care of your feet, Pop Pop? I sand them with a sandblaster, you know, the sand thing, and I sand them. Yeah, so that's making it the calcium. I'm having surgery, I don't want to see my feet. There it is. Mike, anything to add? Oh, that's disgusting. Mom, anything, you good? Just say hi to Jay Nicole, Lisa. Hi, Jay. Hi, Nicole. <laughs> That's our East Coast Feed. You guys have no clue life is Tell him, what are you eating? Macaroni. Yeah, Macaroni. Macaroni Sunday. He can tell without you even saying it because it's all over your face. Macaroni party. Macaroni Bye, guys. That kid is awesome. <laughs> That kid is absolutely awesome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I love her. She's bigger than I always think. Making another uh, entry here in my uh, my journal. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Dear Dave, it would be so nice if we saw you in the late night playset. It would be so nice, wouldn't it? 
That's, yes. Yeah, I think it would be. Dave, it would be so nice to see you in the late night playset. <laughs> There, there's there's a reason for you to be coming to Los Angeles soon, and it would be so nice if we saw you here. Yeah, it would be great. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, Mrs. Ryan and I were watching some clips last night uh, of when Dave was doing the Oprah log, and uh, he was talking about uh, setting goals and achieving goals, you know, working towards those goals to achieve those goals, and it's something that... Uh, that you and I have always been more fluid with, and that's sort of how I've gone about my life, and 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 it's always you know worked out for me eventually. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes it takes time; you gotta have a little faith because mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know what's what you're making or what that goal is. You're just kind of moving in a direction. Uh, but 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 as Dave said when he set up the Oprah log, and of course as a writer probably wrote, uh, it's nice to set a goal and then work towards it, and then we can all do that together. So. Uh, you already know we've been going after Dave as a guest on our show. The Dave Log is just a fun way for us to check in daily uh, and and have it be a little bit different than just, so what's the news what's with going Dave on? Watch? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's why we're doing that. Uh, Mrs. Ryan, <clears throat> that has been... I love it. You know I do. <laughs> I know. It warms my heart. It warms my heart, and my friend at home gets it. I know you do it. I know you do, too. I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave does, too, by the way. He totally gets it. Because I'm the only guy in the world that knows that this actually meant something to him. And, and that I actually did, you know, uh, <laughs> make a little dent there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, let's get on to uh, the wrapping up. The, the, this is the end of Lit Week. This is the last you're going to hear us talk about it. I am wearing my 356 shirt today, uh, and I wore the Hunziker one yesterday. We just never got to this video. Uh, let's see. This is the end of our weekend, and I think we are at the Phoenix Club here. Roll it, Hal. John Benton, what a great party you guys threw the other night. Congratulations. Right on, that was a, that was a move, right? Yeah. Here we are at the Phoenix Club. <laughs> Don't mind us. <laughs> they told us to come in here just like this. Chuck Miller Blue. That's why.
There you go. Our car's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will totally agree with you, obviously. Our car is pretty awesome. You're pretty awesome. Why do you say that? I just, I take it for granted sometimes that I don't like it, but seeing awesome pictures of it in really cool spots like that are really neat, really pretty. I'll take that. Uh, I wanted to mention a couple of people we saw there uh, over there at the Phoenix Club for the SoCal 356 Club Swap Meet. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. That what it is? All right, good. Uh, Chris Florin helped us find our way around when we first got there. Uh, it was great to see Auto Kennel, obviously. It was mm-hmm. great to see Persang. That was a nice surprise. It was great to see Randy Carlson. Yeah. Uh, spent some time with him, which was really fun, also with John Linfesti. Uh, and then uh, Patrick Long also briefly for a little bit. And then uh, Emery's also on their way, which was great because we didn't see them the night before at their own party. Well, we saw Amy. She came Amy. over for, for a little bit, but but Rod was <laughs> so busy, so busy. shaking <laughs> hands and, and, and giving tours and everything else. It was pretty awesome. Uh, so that's what we did, right? Got yeah. it all done. Yeah. And that's the end of Lit Week. Holy crap. That it was, was a, a busy weekend. So awesome. But I feel like we're just now becoming humans again, catching our breath. Yes, I would concur. The hangover is with, with lifted. Mrs. Ryan, if you don't have anything else, it's time to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Shoot, I forgot what it is. What's the question? What's going on? Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, jeez. What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? There's a girl in Florida, Tallahassee, they got, she needed a new, an, an arm, like a fake, like a motorized arm. And she got one, she was born without, uh, she was born with a nub on one hand and only like has three <laughs> fingers on the nub. Are you telling your girlfriend this story or are you broadcasting I'm it? telling my friend at home. <laughs> my friend at home is chatty like me. Um, anyway, she got a bionic arm and it's actually like an R2-D2 arm. It's not meant to look human or be human. And Mark Hamill called her to let her know it was done and, and and here you go wow does it really look like r2d2 or is that just a reference if it's robotic it really does she's 11 and it's oh R2. that's interesting mm-hmm. oh a little girl that's nice she picked it out she's like i don't want a real hand like if you can make better versions of hands like give me that one if i'm gonna be weird anyway mm-hmm. is what i hear a little kid if i'm gonna be weird anyway let me be my own weird go full on yep. yeah totally so kudos love it um okay and I broke this rule already, so shame on me. But Canadian minor league soccer team has is not doing handshakes anymore after games. Oh, it's there. It, it's bringing uh, the coronavirus is why, but it's bringing a lot of uh, social cues into play. Like people are saying, like, is that important? What does it really mean? It used it, uh, handshake started because it was originally a way to show that you don't have a knife in your hand, you're not going to kill somebody. But we don't do that anymore, so we don't need to touch people all the time. Hopefully. You're running some good circles. Trust everyone. Um, lastly, though, there's a really cool new program that uh, her name's Teresa. She's the sales director at this Hilton Long Extended Stay in Mississippi. Hmm. She partnered with an animal shelter so that uh, some of her guests that stay there for weeks or months or whatever while they have jobs could adopt and foster dogs there. So at the, at the motel? At the hotel. Wow. Yeah. So it's a it's a neat idea, but it's really 60 dogs have already been adopted through this program. And it's a neat idea to think that you can do more with your time than just sit in a hotel room. 
Well, that anything, yeah. It's a it's a neat way to. Anytime look at somebody's things. doing something, pushing the needle forward, I love that. Yeah. Oh, and that's been <laughs> what's going on, Mrs. Ryan. There you go, Mrs. Ryan. Right. How you feel? Today. Uh, okay. Yeah, good. Okay. I think you're lovely. Thanks. I just like to check in with you from time to time because I love you. I appreciate. Sometimes you. they get to see it. That's all. Hi guys, isn't right. it adorable? It's time. <laughs> Can we take a break now? <laughs> yeah. Let's take a quick break. Get our guest in here. Ed Krasnick is going to be in here. He's a producer. He's a writer. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He's a speaker. He's a coach, and he's going to be sitting in that chair when we get back. Right after this, late night play set. More to come. so delicious it's a hot sauce made by bears garlic and serrano mixed with love and care you can put it on your eggs pour it on your rice it's great on a leg it's better on a slice it's oh so delicious it's a hot sauce made by bears oh so delicious hot sauce great on everything except oatmeal get your bottle today at osodelicious.org one dollar from every bottle sold goes to the national military family association doesn't listen well. Doesn't understand. This is um, this is crazy. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, with that, then I'm just going to bring us back. This is crazy. I'm sorry. I'm I'm talking. I'm I'm, I'm talking about the the candidates. <laughs> this well, is crazy. Well, we are back. We are sitting here. <laughs> I love all of this. We're sitting here with Ed Krasnick. Uh, for some reason, I said your name 15 times before the show trying to, like, put it in there, and I can't do so it. Great. I want to say – I don't want to say somebody, somebody else's name who's a different Ed who I know. Well, that's okay. With a, a similar Is name. He, did you have a good life? <laughs> yeah, sure. How are his pants? Good, no, I don't good. Know. I don't know. Anyway, um, we're sitting here with this Ed Krasnick. Yes, Thank hello. you so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to be – and I have to tell you, I, I'm fascinated by everything. <laughs> And that's the name what of my book. Guy. I came to plug my book. I'm fascinated by everything. Read by no one, by the way. No one reads it because no one likes fascinating anymore. Um, you are married and you like each other. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right, let's switch. Seats. What's the let's problem now? No, how does how does that happen? No. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to waste your time with our story, but how much yeah. do you know about us? I can sum it up. I don't quickly. know a lot, but we uh, we met in your apartment building. Yes, this of course. is true. Of course, we had to figure that out before. I we wasn't met. there. I was late. <laughs> we met in your apartment building ten yeah. years ago and uh, hit it off immediately. And it was a random uh, meeting. We, we we had a, a friend, a mutual friend that had sort of double booked. And oh well, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend. Oh, can you come here? Oh, why don't you just come here? We ended up just hanging out for the evening and became famous friends, obviously. Yeah, Mrs. Ryan and I have been together all of that time. We met that night, and we were together from then on. We got married mm, three years later, something like that. Just meant to be. Just just meant no, to be. No, no, no. It was awful. We did not get along at all. Didn't like each other. Nope, nope, nope. But kept, Is saying, that true? kept with it. Did not get along at first, correct. Did not get along. Yeah, no. no. But there was something there. God, this yeah. is this is a great. Let this be a lesson to anybody who's listening, watching, or in the immediate vicinity. I believe that we both, and this is I'm going to get real for a second, get Mr. Real. Comedy Guy. Get real. I believe that we both um, 
saw a potential that if we both did the work, we'd be perfect for each other. And I believe that that's where we are now. You were conscious enough to be aware that's of what that. I think it was for me, yeah. Not knowing what the work was, just saying there's something here, and once we adult up and figure our fucking shit out, figure life out, we're going to be real good. We're going to be a good pair. That is fantastic. Can you do that for other people? Sure. Who do you want? Well, if you could what do you it for me, for? it would be great. What are you looking for? Well, I'm married. <laughs> oh, well then. So. But you don't like yours? <laughs> of course. No, of course I like it. That's why I got married. But, uh, but no, I think that people, if people knew what the work that they had to do and were conscious of it, and actually knew it, and mm-hmm. then approached it and tried to do it. You know, I think I think people it would be a lot different for a lot of people. And that's probably the awareness of whether or not there's work to do. I would imagine is probably for yes. a lot of people. This is what mental yeah. health is. People don't know what mental health. Everybody talks so, about it, but nobody knows how to practice it. Is this what mental health is? What we're doing right now? Because people say this experience is often like therapy. Well, <laughs> this, coming here on this show and this talking. Is, to us. This is as calm as I've been since my bar mitzvah. Right now. <laughs> I had my bar mitzvah, and then everything else went, and then I sat down in this chair. Up until then, it's been a race. It's a race for survival until today. That's really true. You made it. That's really true. I made it. No, but you're sitting in a chair like a human being. It's like Martin Scorsese's uh, mother. Looking at me. Sits nice. It's it's that. that. He sits nice. That's what we're doing now. We're sitting nice. I love that. Yeah. So I don't have anything late night else. Play so. set. We sit nice. We sit nice. Now, play set. I mean, I'm not going to ask you more questions about oh, the go show, ahead. but I go ahead. But but uh, you, I know the story. I know the backstory. But I think that if people could acquire furniture from famous sets, mm. they would have. There'd be a lot more good shows on television. What you need is you need a good set. Now, my friend has the seats from Murphy Brown in her living room. What do you mean Ooh. the seats? The theater seats, the, the seats from the studio. Oh, no shit. Yeah. That's awesome. She has a theater in her living room. Love and it. a functioning theater. Sure. But Pretty I cool. think that people should, there should be a store. Like you have Amazon, you have eBay. Mm-hmm. Why don't you have retired sets? Mm. Why aren't it. the retired sets? And why isn't that a name for like a, an old folk group? The retired sets. <laughs> like, why aren't they as good as the Capitol steps? I don't understand. Um, <laughs> and anyway, Touring retirement homes throughout the area. You tour retirement homes. Oh, my God. Story about my father in an assisted living place. I have to tell you this because it's fantastic. My father's in an assisted living place. I wheel him into the room where they have the entertainer. And they have a woman playing the piano. And my father was in the netherworld states. Now, I don't want to depress people, but it happens. He was in the netherworld of like, he was, he was really sick and he was on his way out. Let me put it that way. And when you're on your way out, you go in and out of consciousness. Sure. But I'm trying to, I'm singing his favorite songs. I'm trying to, Keep you know, with dignity. With dignity. So we're in the... Oh, I see. You're trying to help his transition be as yeah. comfortable as possible. Yeah. Yes, so, so now we're in the place and there's all these older people. It's the cast of Cocoon and, uh-huh. and she's playing the piano and it's a single. Guess it's a name that tune. So I play it and, and my father, because he was in that world, his head is down. Now he goes up and he says, I want to die! And then the head goes down again. And the woman says at the piano, good guess. It's actually the theme from Dr. Zhivago. And, and that is a real moment. I want to die. 
Good guess. <laughs> so, no, no one batted an eye. Because... I, would, I would give up on comedy at that point because right. it, you, you give 20, 30 years to something trying to be so good, and then some guy just out of nowhere has magic like that. He He's has... not even funny. Not even a funny guy. No. And he has the magic, and then everybody else, you would think, when you scream, I want to die, somebody would have something to say about that. Well, well no, everybody's like, tell me about it. Yeah, of course you want to die. We all want to die. Everybody. Oh, Mr. Wa- Mr. Excitement Read wants to die. Yeah. <laughs> Look at who wants to die now. <laughs> Get in line. You know, and it's so it, it makes him so special. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was one of those moments, and I've had so many of those just life moments that are just crazy where you just have to use to file it and you say okay someday i'm gonna go on late night play set and tell the story <laughs> well the first 10 minutes have been all about us and then this wonderful anecdote what about you can, what can you tell us about you well how, I'm how not, and why did you get into comedy i'd like to know that and then we can get into career stuff and then maybe well i'm therapy. i started as an unemployed jacket salesman that's number one and you build from that. Um, <laughs> now, now I, I, I um, you know, it's a very specific thing to be unemployed from. It's true. Well, I don't. I didn't like it, so I didn't want to be an employed oh, jacket yeah, salesman. I said, I'm sure. going to just be an unemployed surgeon. I don't like medicine. I'll be an unemployed surgeon. What do you do for a living? I'm an unemployed surgeon. Um, so I uh, was in a typical neurotic Jewish family, a Brighton Beach memoirs oh. family. And uh, my mother, uh, you know, was a tremendous caretaker and took too much on. And I sensed it as a kid. And I could not stand to see her unhappy. So I learned that if I play the man on the street and I go up to her at the age of five and I say, ladies and gentlemen, Shirley Krasnick looks like she's upset. It might have something to do with her husband. Let's go in for a closer look. And then she'd start to laugh. And I literally did that at five. I was a man on the street, and we understood each other, my mother and I, and we had that kind of relationship where she got me and I got her. We had all kinds of issues like parents and kids do, but I I understood who she was as a person. So that's kind of how I interpreted it. That's kind of like I learned that I could do that. Sure. That's incredible to me. Now i got to ask, where did that come from? Was that Steve Allen? Because you sounded more like a... Howard Cosell or a Warner Wolf. Yeah, well, it. it's a combination. I No, I mean, I... But what had you taken in at that point? Because in- I knew Johnny Carson, because I got... I, I Because I um, I watched them all. I watched Merv okay. Griffin and I watched Johnny. I came home from school. It was Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas. You're describing me, okay. <clears throat> when Mike Douglas... And I used to do a one-man show, and part of it was about... Uh, watching Mike Douglas on uh, and Ed Sullivan and the influence of Ed Sullivan as a very little kid. And I knew that my family came to life. <clears throat> if you took the per- perspective of the TV looking at the family, you would see that people were not happy and then you would see that their faces came to life when yeah. their favorite entertainers came on. Mm. And so what you realize is that they're That's projecting, beautiful. you know, they're, that they are, they have that life within them, but they project it on the TV. They don't know that it's in them, Isn't that interesting? and so that's what I saw. The you know, that's what are I going the wrong way. Yeah, you turn it, turn it the other way, and and so so I knew that entertainment could bring people to life, wow. and and that's what I saw. And then years later, when I was I, I worked at the, I was at the Friars Club. I was a chairman of membership of the Friars Club in New York. In here, oh no kidding! And so I I would see these people you know, come to life when I would bring in people to, in, to introduce them. I hear him hanging out with Milton Berle. Uncle Milty, this yeah. is Janine Garofalo. And I'd be like, 
And all of a sudden he wakes up and he tells a 20-minute story. Yes. But before that, he's 90 years old. And so there's something about that um, expression, but but that I wish people could see their expression in response to it because you can't you can't do it if it's not in you. Right. Like you have to feel it. Not everybody comes to li- not everybody comes to life in that way, you know, around entertainment. But you articulated something really resonant to me, so it must go out to other people. Like I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, it's just it's just you can't project this. Uh, you know, we have we have a celebrity culture still, and you can't like you have it. And the thing is that you know you're. I think. I mean, I work in mental health now a little bit too, and oh. so trying to unite mental health and comedy and entertainment. Good and for you. and I, I think that's what, a... I think what. Well, I think, but humor and emotion. There's nothing more. No, powerful. I get it. I just that that hill's going to keep getting. That's a forever job. It is. It is. But that's the thing about it is it's a practice. It's a mm-hmm. pra- it's something you practice. Like if I said, "Do you know what emotional fitness is?" No, people would think I was from another planet. Oh, but I can put that together. Understanding you, emotional intelligence, I would say sta- cr- adding that to stamina. Well, you can, but most people can't. Most people don't think like that. They mm-hmm. don't think that they're. Wait a minute. If it's emotional fitness, maybe it means you practice it. You actually work <laughs> at it. Exercise it. Yeah. Yeah. But no, we just talk about mental health. We talk. Oh, I have anxiety. You have anxiety. I'm upset. You're upset. But nobody says, "Here's something to practice, right. so that you can actually." transcend this prevent, yeah prevent this in the future and that's what we're trying to do is yeah. we're trying but we, but if you do it you do it with funny people because funny people are the bringers of change because they're willing to poke fun at themselves they're willing to look inside they're willing to exaggerate and in order to teach people this you have to exaggerate it do you think that, i mean the way you just said it it's poetic the way the the way it's combined but do you really can you really connect introspection and comedy comedy and introspection absolutely i mean i can with people that i like and admire but i can't just blanketly add it to comedy well absolutely you you have to i mean is it a style of comedy maybe or do you know what i think it is a style of comedy and i'm calling it transformational comedy oh i like that okay that's what i'm calling it and i and i think i used to do a self-help variety show and i'd have i always try to unite mental health experts and entertainers particularly comedians yeah. and you demo it it's like the old shows where stan ken would come on or there'd be you know a, a cooking segment or letterman did kmar you know it's sure. that's what i'm doing but i'm doing it with with mental health like i'm going to demonstrate for you paul i did it with paul provenza he's going to be here next week well he'll tell you the i mean i had a psychodramatist work with him he didn't like the psychodramatist but i had him work with paul and paul sort of made fun of it a little bit but but the process of it was really interesting and by the end of the show he and the psycho, psychodramatist had their arms around each other really i used to have you know a psychodramatist work with people where you know they'd say i'd say like uh, mo collins came on i said what's going on with you she said well i hate my mom and I said, you just came back to visit her? Yeah, I hate my mom. Well, how many people hate their mothers here in the audience? Everybody raising their hand. How many people hate her mother? Not having <laughs> even met the one. Okay, I hate her mother. Okay, um, this is your lucky day because this is a – how is that going to evolve? How is that going to change? She says, in a funeral home. I said, this is, this is lucky because this is a funeral home. I'm going to have Moon Zappa. I had these amazing guests come over here and lay down in this grave and be your mom. She's finally gone. And now you get to do the eulogy. Now, these are funny people. So this is role play. This is psychodrama. And she starts crying. The funny people start crying. Now, there's somebody else on Jimmy Pardo looked down and said, I have a question. 
Why is Moon Zappa laying down in a grave like she's a guest star on CSI Miami? Who lays down in a grave like that? Now they're laughing. She was crying. And in 10 minutes, this woman will be led through a process where she'll play herself as a kid. She'll play her mom. They'll have a conversation. It's guided by a professional. And she's got a different relationship with her mom. Her mom's not there. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's that dynamic. Mm-hmm. But it's available to all of us. If you, if you were a parent, like I'm a parent, and I work with this lady now, and you say you, you do role play with your kid. And you say, okay, you're worried about the date. Let's go to the date now. Mm-hmm. Let, what are we going to say to each other? You be him, and I'll be, I'll be you. It's not that hard. And you don't have to be perfect with it. You just have to have the intention of, like, I'm going to help my kid, you know? For me, the universal, I love everything you're saying. And for me, uh, I kind of put it all into a, a thing I call zoom in or zoom out. And it's just perspective. For me, almost everything is perspective. Yeah. And if you are, have the ability to move that camera around and be able to see it over your shoulder, sure, that's pretty easy. And then maybe over her shoulder, well, maybe that's a little bit harder because, you know, we're somebody different. But even yours or somebody you don't know that well, somebody you just met at the grocery store, somebody you're next to in traffic, all of that stuff. If you can see all of their perspective at the same time, the world and, – and by the way, choose to make a positive. Right. <laughs> just taking it in is nice and all, but then you have to decide what you do with it this way, that way. Um, to me, it comes down to choices, perspective and choices. Well, in order to make choices, you have to be conscious. Yes. So in order to be conscious, what do you have to do? (laughs) I mean, in order to be conscious in today's world, it's a practice, right? And you have to breathe, which I'm not doing a good job of. In fact, I I really haven't breathed that much since I was seven. It stopped at seven. Everything goes back to this. Yeah, seven years old. What happened at seven, man? I don't remember because I stopped breathing. Oh, no. <laughs> no points to that. No, no, it's no. So good. No, it's a, but you remember you remember the these these great moments like uh you know just watching the Ed Sullivan show and watching the 20-inch Zenith black and white TV set which we centered the living room around. It was so big and heavy no one could move it. Um Ed Sullivan, you're mentioning short. Was the Jackie Gleason show big for you at all? Because that was the night before on the same network and everything. Yes, I remember watching him. And I remember what I loved about Jackie Gleason was I loved the fact that he could be dramatic and comedic at the same time. And and he was the one who said, I think it's his quote, which is amazing. He said, comedy had better be – funny had better be sad somewhere. Comedy without pathos is like a meal without bread. Now I'm gluten free, so my oh, life is over. Hey, oh. No, 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 but it is. It is. Yes, no, I really am gluten free, and because I ate so much bread. Um, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit on that same subject, but I'll tell you a little about me, and then I'd like to get to you. Uh, <clears throat> mentioning the Jackie Gleason show, you started it with Ed Sullivan. The Jackie Gleason show was actually shot in the Ed Sullivan Theater on Saturday nights before. Ed Sullivan did Toast of to the Town or whatever it was called on Sundays. My dad grew up in Stanford, Connecticut, and his friend across the street's mom was the secretary to some president and something at CBS, whatever. So these guys, these kids, would have tickets every week to go take the train down to the city to go to the Ed Sullivan Theater to watch the Jackie Gleason show get taped. And he would tell me about the orchestra over here and the June Taylor dancers or some dancers over here. you know. And it was this whole big... It sounded like a whole big uh, to do, and it just—it's all these stories that just were, were were like locked into my brain. Now my dad died when I was young, uh. so we used to watch all of this stuff together and the whole bit. And you know my story. Later on, Letterman goes to the Ed Sullivan Theater. Holy crap! It all comes around. You know what I mean? Like it's all coming. It all full circle. Yeah. <clears throat> 
later I get a job at 30 Rock, my first, my first job, and my first show assignment was Conan in 1995. Bringing it back to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Oh, wow. That's I'm pretty amazing. sure. I mean, not pretty sure. I'm positive I was there for your first, maybe your only Conan appearance, though. Did you do Late Night with Conan O'Brien as a stand-up comedian? I did. I did. I think I was there oh, on the floor. I maybe even put your mic on you. That's, I think you might have. As a kid. As I would have been like a 17-year-old kid, as a, too young to be an intern, but I was in the program. It's crazy, because that was a very, I remember everything about that. I remember you remember being, a kid who looked too young to be there, it was, it was me. I kind of remember it. I mean, I think that, because <laughs> that, I remember a lot of details about that, because mm-hmm. that was a really fun time, and that was my first big like network thing even though it was you know it was great show isn't that wild that's crazy (laughs) that's crazy yeah well you had uh that was a wonderful must have been a wonderful experience for you though incredible not putting my microphone on but (laughs) that was my favorite part you're saying that guy had such a he was no to be working in 6a which for me uh you know 6a and 6b where it was johnny before and then it was letterman and 6a across that whole hallway of you know the fire extension fire extinguisher races and all of the years of history I'd seen in the in the hallway there. Crazy. <clears throat> yeah, nowadays everyone knows it because, you know, Jimmy Fallon puts it on the air again. But back in the day, it was kind of just the hallway outside the show. And you remember what the mystique it had. Anybody famous was in the wings. It was great. Those studios have no wings, so the hallways were the wings. It, it was, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. It was a wonderful live experience for anybody who goes there. And I remember, you know, the, him coming to me because I knew all the writers – and and them telling him about me, and then he had a, he had David Spade and he had some other guests from a movie, and he comes into the dressing room and he says, "Look, I'm going to put you on second, and you'll just sit down because I can't interview this lady." <laughs> and I and I and I was like, "Okay, great." And so then I first time on the panel. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a blast. That's amazing. I loved it. And then I didn't understand how shows worked, so I thought you go and stay at the hotel. And you stay for like a few days. Oh, that's amazing. And I did. <laughs> and so I'm walking around the, the Mark Hotel with a robe on like two days later. <laughs> and they're like, who is at the hotel? It's like a thousand. It's like $10,000 now. <laughs> Honestly, that is God. outstanding. Didn't understand it. No. That's really funny. Yeah. You lived there or you lived here? Did they fly you out they for it? They flew me out there. Paula <laughs> Davis. She still works lady. there. Yeah, out here though. Yeah. Oh, that's a riot. She was the one. Yeah, and it was like, She's what are you doing? We remember. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? And Frank uh, uh, <laughs> Smiley. Yeah. Frank, Frank. Smiley. Yep. You. <laughs> I told you he was there back then. No, all those guys were amazing, and I think it was uh, God rest his soul, Marsh McCall, and a bunch of other. Louis, not Louis yet, but Marsh McCall. You think of the other writers? Yeah. Oh. See, Mike Sweeney. Sweeney was head writer then, and doing warm up back then. Even then, and a lot of great writers. But anyway. Um, yeah, because I was a Boston comic, and they were all from Boston. God, that is the coolest. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. But that particular, that's a crazy... Isn't that interesting? Intersection. It's like, hey, we were both there during the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> well, that's and why like, I, I felt the need to... Because it, I, it wasn't just a job for me. It was what set me in motion for the rest of my life. Hello. So you know what I mean? It, it, I, it was, I was so impressionable, and I was exactly where I wanted to be in the world. <laughs> so you're, but you're, but you're, you're, you're a classic host. Like what? Well, but you know this. You said you know the story, right? Yeah. I mean, so I, 
it's Biff and the Almanac, really. Mm. I, I, you know, that, 1985 is going along just fine. And then I <laughs> made this alternate tangent and lived over here for a while. And then yeah. life happens and you sort of forget about that little tangent. And then uh, eventually things go and you're like, well, wait a second. Why did our life go to shit? Oh, wait, because there's all sorts of factors that we were not looking at sure. within ourselves or our lives. Sure. Putting energy in the wrong places. Boom. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So once you go back and unlock that stuff, everything kind of just sort of, you know, I, I decided to start – the podcast thing became uh, just a smart thing to do. Like, oh, this makes sense. you got to work from home. You want to work together and everyone's starting them. Get, deciding to get good at the job came from me saying if I'm going to do this, I, I have to be as good as I can possibly be at it. So I get better every day hopefully. Well, no one, no one does it on a – I mean, the thing about podcasting is everybody like sits and relaxes and everything's relaxing, but they don't realize it's a show. <laughs> it's a show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a personal show. It's the best kind of show you right, could it's do. It's an intimate show. It's an intimate show, but it's a show. You're, it's still a show. You're it's hosting. still a job. It's still real. And, and you approach yeah. it. You know, it's how you approach it. And it's a, a very impressive that you approach I mean, I feel like if people approach things in this way, they, there'd be a lot of... A lot of interesting stuff out there. And there is a lot of great content, but it has to be backed up by something. Like you can have – like there are, all, there are a lot of ideas out there. Right. But there's very few shows. You know, good ideas, good premises, good <laughs> well, concepts, but not a lot of shows. It's interesting because yeah. you, what you started with and you're talking about adding uh, health and mental health to your comedy and, and to your work and your art. Uh, that's sort of what we're doing. We're showing – you know, we're we're turning Mrs. Ryan inside out with what she's going through for everybody else to see, to say, hey, listen, you can have right. something wrong with you or whatever, and right. you can still put a smile on and get through life. It's okay. Uh, also, the way we're talking very candidly, very open and honestly about all of these issues is something I do with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Whether they want to or Whether not. Whether they want to or not. And then often if they don't, my being that way allows them to still open up a little bit, even if they didn't necessarily want to. And usually afterwards, they're happy they did. And usually those are the people that can't stop hugging me when they're saying goodbye and like because something happened, you know? Well, not a lot of people have a quality moment where they actually sit and have a conversation with somebody and someone listens to them. Correct. Right? You know that. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. But you must see it all the time with stand-ups. Like, everyone's thinking of the next thing to say or, like, what they prepared. I understand that part, but it's not as real. You're, it was what you just said. Yeah, it's a, there's a magic. It, like, in this culture, in this day and age, somebody, what's going on with you? How you doing? Oh, but yeah, actually, is you know, I'm not asking you because I want to get over there. I'm asking you because I want to find out. It's, it's my nice favorite. That you do. Hope all's yeah. well. That I need. Hope all's well. Here's what I need from you. <laughs> Hope all's well. Here's what I need. Well, I had this thing that I used to do on stage, which was uh, a Hollywood handshake. Oh, which is, how's it go? The Hollywood handshake is basically uh, you stick out. Well, in this hey, day Ed, and how's age, how's it going? How you doing? Okay, I'm going to use your energy <laughs> to pull you behind oh, yeah. me so I can get to that guy. Mm. That's what I and I'm going to pull you. I'm using the energy, yeah, leverage your goodwill, leverage to yeah. talk to him who can help me more. But that's yeah. like you know, it's crazy. The Hollywood I thought you were handshake. Gonna do the old GE handshake with the where you kept putting it in and taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> mm, GE. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but 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 this is you know, there's a if you said uh, what kind of quality of life do you have. I mean, I live in, you know, I live in a good place. I, you know, barely, I pay my stuff. I have a lot of 
things I got to do. Um, but you think of the, you ask yourself, what kind? What is the quality of life? What kind of quality of life do I have? And for most, if you actually thought about it, most people, not great, not great, not the greatest. So we have it depends a, on what you value, right? Yes, because yes. we thought we had a really quality life when we had brand new fancy ass cars and the newest everything and everywhere going traveling. We had a really fancy Hollywood extravagant lifestyle, and we thought. Perfect. Nailed it. It looked Totally great. doing it. Yeah. And then your health great. or something real gets in the way, and it forces you to look at the real things that you hadn't been looking at, which sometimes, in our case anyway, a little bit of work need to be done. So yeah. So that's, again, full circle. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody uh, within the sound of our voices now listening to this wants to just drive over to my house— and pay my bills, um, I would be happy to have them do that. No, I, if anybody, if any, this is the thing, you think that, that the power, that things are outside yourself, it's community. You know, if, you, if you're talking to people, you ha- like we think, we think that putting somebody in the White House is going to change things somehow, and it really doesn't. The power is in the person across from you, and sometimes, um, you know, very close to you. Uh, if that person would show up in my life, I would be so grateful. And look how I lean in as I say I saw it. That. I saw that. Heard that. How are you? <laughs> okay. Nice to see you again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I thought you were going, Paul Harvey, good day. A good day. <laughs> you have a great voice. Boy, if I had your voice, I'd be like, I'd can, be making so much money. Can right I tell now. you something else? I feel like this is weird shit being universally downloaded to me because if you look back at the tapes of this, my voice used to be high. I went to broadcasting school after high school because I thought I was going to go this way, but then that thing happened. Yeah. So, like, I had the background and the, the wherewithal, and certainly all the time at 30 Rock and stuff. But. I don't know where the hell I was going that I lost it. More about me. Hey, sorry. Your voice. Your voice. That's what it was. I I, I don't, when this thing started, I didn't sound like this. Somehow I have uh, either unintentionally modified myself by, you know, being annoyed at playback nonstop. uh, Or what I believe is this is what I should have always been doing. And I'm getting a lot of help from a lot of places, not just here on earth. Interesting. Well, when you're doing what you're supposed to do, a lot of things happen. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel. A lot of interesting things happen. A lot of magical opportunities happen. are coming, coming down the pike, and it's just kind of weird, awesome stuff. And for me, it's dentistry. Oh, good. And on that, <laughs> hey, we have to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, I just have to say a few words about uh, oh-so-delicious hot sauce. <laughs> it's the hot sauce made by bears. I love that. Oh, so delicious. Hot sauce made by bears. Garlic and serrano mixed with love and care. You can put it on your eggs, pour it on your rice. It's great on a leg, it's better on a slice. It's oh, so delicious. It's the hot sauce made by bears. Oh, so delicious hot sauce. Great on everything except oatmeal. Get your bottle today at ohsodelicious.org. One dollar from every bottle sold goes to the National Military Family Association. And there you go. Yeah, see, there you go. Good on everything except oatmeal. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. And great filmmaking and a wonderful friend and, uh, and doing a lot of good work. Thank you to Richard Chastler for going and getting the prop. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, wow. The dentistry was a joke, but uh, yeah. what we were talking about is, uh, you know, doing whatever your art is and also paying it forward at the same time. Working for a cause, not applause, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what our goal is with this. But some of the things you were talking about working on and things coming down the pike for you sounded similar in that you're incorporating therapy and you're incorporating. Well, I work with a, I work with a lady who. Um, I work with a lady who uh, <laughs> she, who yodels and uh, is, is a professional yodeler. Yes, um, this woman, Rini Jane, she owns a company called GoZen, and GoZen teaches resilience skills to schools and kids and families all over the world uh, using animation. Mm. So she's she she studied applied positive psychology, University of Pennsylvania. So it's the science of happiness. And the science of well-being, and she and it and, and and what they did years ago, like these people from UPenn and other places, they were studying depression, and they weren't getting anywhere, because they realized they were studying the wrong thing. They needed to study what makes people well, not what makes them ill, and so they started studying what makes people well, and and they came up with this field, and the field is applied positive psychology. So it's actionable interventions that are simple that are based on well-being. And so that's what we do. We have this show, Dear Anxiety, and we do it. We, we talk about the issues, whatever it is, and then we act it out. So this is a live show that people can go to? A podcast. Oh, it is? It is a weekly podcast available everywhere. Wow. And, and then we're going to start – I'm starting to do a show uh, called The Monsters of Mental Health. And it's going to be a comedy tour, and it basically – it'll start here in L.A., and basically people talk about personal stuff. They perform about it, comedy and music. And then mental health, health experts who are well-known come on and actually teach the audience actionable skills that they can use in their lives. Whoa. And that's the show. It's called, that's incredible. It's called Monsters of Mental Health. No kidding. So the performance element is people actually telling their own stories, and yeah. then you've got a professional coming in to sort of pepper yeah. it with mental health advice. Yeah. That's Outstanding. It sounds entertaining. It sounds educational. Yeah. Win win. It's, it's going to be a smart combination. Yeah. I think. I think it'll work. It's going to be. I've done it a lot before, but I called it something different. But it's going to be. But what the, did you say? Monsters of monsters of mental health. Yeah. I like that. You know, the poster is a um, is the creature from the Black Lagoon, and okay. he's carrying a therapist on a couch. Oh, okay. Uh, I was thinking one. more of like your internal demons, but I get it. And I that too. It. We're going to do a series of videos where people sit with their with their monsters and they they talk to them and they talk about it oh that's cool conversations yeah. with your own monster yeah oh yeah comedians a lot of comedians and... <laughs> you don't say yeah awesome yeah. yeah oh this is great and all uh available available anywhere podcasts are uh, yeah dear anxiety is every week and then monsters of mental health will be at either largo or dynasty typewriter as a live show and then we're we're going to do it in other but i cities. see that becoming that could become a that, that could become a netflix show i could see that going yeah. Yeah, awesome. Oh, God, that's good. Uh, um, I know we've got to get you out of here, right? Is that a thing? Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a job. But, oh, boy. You know, oh, hmm. How nice. Um, yeah, how nice. What is, what is it? What does it mean? <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? I can't let you leave without talking about The Sopranos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me anything you want to tell well, me about da- The Sopranos. Well, David Jamie Ch- Lynn's been here. Oh, I know Jamie really yeah. well. Well, da- well, David, um, David Chase was trying to develop shows on the second floor of CBS Radford. Behind these doors on one floor in one office area were all these amazing writers who were represented by Brilstein Gray. 
and they all had like these million dollar development deals this is a long time ago. And David would come out of his office and he would just hold his head and he looked like the most depressed person on earth. And I started talking to him and we started laughing together and we go to lunch every day. And what I talked to him about was the Ed Sullivan show. And he said he was doing a show at the time about mother and daughter grifters with Marg Helgenberg. And he said, I'm going to put you in the show. You will be the town doctor, but you will speak like Ed Sullivan. Oh, my gosh. And All right, you cough. <laughs> all right you remind me of sandler and young good luck you know and it was it was all you look nothing like him but you just personified him and you sound exactly like him well it was it was uh you know but david anyway i met Sorry. i met i met him so impressive go ahead no i met him and 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 so we became friends and he said i'm doing this show and i want to i don't get to fly people out there because hbo won't let it so i'm going to yeah. sneak you in and you will be on the show, and uh, just don't tell anybody. And he flew me out to New York. I stayed in a place near Lincoln Center. It was ridiculous. And then I came onto the set, and I meet, uh, well, in the van with me was Dominic Chianese, Uncle mm. Junior, and Nancy Marchand, Libya. Amazing. And they're in the van, and I'm talking with them. He brings me on the set, and he says, uh, Eddie, Eddie, it's Jimmy Gandolfini. He's with us. He's with us. All right, so what do you like to eat? You like Lona Dune? You like Twix? Whatever you like, they'll make it for you. What do you like to eat? You like Lona Dune? <laughs> like, it's the weirdest. And they're all hanging out there, and Tony Sirico is there, and Imperioli, and it was a blast. Oh, God, and, yeah. and David said, you know, I just want you to be, you be a comedian who bombs at the nursing home. And the nursing home you'll bomb at is where my actual mother passed away. Oh, my Lord. So he takes me to this nursing home. And we're filming something, and he said, "Just write some lines and just do." So I'm like doing stuff like, you know, I'm performing to like people with walkers who are real patients there. And I looked at this lady and I said, uh, "Obviously, somebody's gotten into the flonase." I said, "This lady is flying. Picture yourself on a boat at Ellis Island." And I was like, "LSD, baby, right here. This lady." flying and it, and it was like and, and he said and he instructed people to get up and start walking out with their walkers so oh my god yeah well no i just finally i didn't realize who you were in the show and i just totally remembered you describing the scene yeah yeah so that was the first one and oh then this and then gosh. the second year i was at the bada bing club and so i was bombing at the bada bing club so now I'm in a sweaty but like nightclub. But here's how stupid I am. I'm I'm asking you to tell me some story from the set or whatever, and you're telling me the plot of what's going on in the show. And, then, and I'm thinking, now it yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and then what happens? Yeah, yeah. What happened on the program? The script along with you. What happened on the program? Um, what is it about? No, uh, but anyway, it was it was it was crazy. Oh, and I, and gosh. and at the bottom Bing, you know, there's uh, there's three women who are naked all day long, and you're standing there with like 800 extras who look like they just came from Sing Sing, and they probably did. Um, and you're talking, you know, and I can't, you know, it's very awkward to me. And so I'm looking at this woman, and I'm saying, you know. Tell me about yourself, you know, and, and like, what's going on? Well, I got to go pick up my kid after this. And it's like completely naked. And then Tony Sirico is over there. And, you know, this is where we shot. 
And the guy who directed it was Lee Tamahori, who did uh, Once Were Warriors and Mulholland Falls. And oh, I love that man. He was a good director. And he said, we're going to make you look good. Don't worry. I'm going to do a thing where it's going to be fine, and we're going to make you look good. And, and they wrote – Frank Renzulli wrote the script. So he, he was an actor too, and he was a good writer. The thing is I was in the writer's room at The Sopranos, so I knew – the writer's room was so great at The Sopranos that on the ceiling, like, you know, remember when you were a kid in school and you had to learn cursive? Sure. And they had those letters yeah, yeah, yeah. that were up on top. Well, that's where, they, where they had the index cards for the arc of the season. And so being from outer space, it was so clear. You could come in and, and it was all Tony's story and you could read it. Is this at Silver Cup? Was the writer's room at Silver Cup too? It was at Silver okay. Cup. But the first year we edited was like in West L.A. under a garage. Like they didn't HBO had no idea what this was, and they and they the first year they were like and David got me into the, you know the um, the motion the Academy so that we could vote for the show, and he gets us in because he said he said I like it but I don't think anybody's going to watch this, wow. and he said watch the pilot and just tell me if you like the ducks in the pond oh and, so good. and and he said and it could because I like it but I don't think anybody's going to watch this show. Um, but David so Chase, good. you know, it was cinematic. Cinematic, David Chase, and, and then he said, and then he said, "I'm really guilty about, you know, I'm writing this stuff and it's very violent, and these people, and I'm thinking maybe I should lighten it up a little bit." And then I realized I grew up with these people, and they're not good people. Yeah, you know, they're really not. They're troubled people. So you know, but he 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 had that weighing. We'll call on him, him an antihero at best. Yeah, Tony Soprano. Yeah, yeah. That's but sure. but what a great what a great. What a great premise for a show. Meet Tony Soprano. If one family doesn't kill him, the other one will. Yeah. And that is the, that is the archaeology of like the Americans. And oh, sure. And a million shows where you're doing the, you know, Killing Eve. You name the show. I'm like, living my life, but I can't, but I have to live like a human being and I don't know how to do it. I love anything that lifts the veil on good people do bad things, bad people do good things. Yeah. You know what I mean? There is no, it's not uh, uh, binary. Yeah, that's really it's really true. But now it's like a, a show with well, we're actually developing my favorite year as a TV series. Who's we? Uh well, like hope, you? hopefully me. Oh good. Maybe. But the guys who are really developing it are uh Norman Steinberg, who's my mentor, and Barry Levinson, who's oh, gonna direct wow. it. And so we'll see how that goes. But uh but I read the the script is very good. So, you know, that's – but that's where I live. Like, like I can write my favorite year. I can't write, like, 98% of the stuff that's, that's on. Is I don't it, understand it. Is it because of the feels? Like, you need to actually attach to the feels and yeah. Yeah, arc it? Yeah. Yeah. That's just in my blood. Like, I understand that. And that's a, that's a comedy with heart. And I don't know if you can – I don't know if there's, like – I don't know if there is a comedy with heart on television today. Have you uh, – mm. Maybe on on Netflix. Yeah, Afterlife. Have you seen it? I haven't seen Afterlife yet. I it's will look dark. at that. It's really dark. It reads your face. That Life in okay. Pieces when it first started. I only saw the first season, but yeah, I enjoyed when that. it started, I don't know if it's still on. Um, what is the development process for you? How does that? How does it work? Do you come up with an idea and then say, you know what, I'm going to go shop it, or I'm going to talk to my friend? Oh yeah, I'm going to get somebody on. Oh yeah, we're working together. Let's go shop it around. Or does somebody come to you and say, hey, here's some money to work no, this idea? No, no, it's more me. It's more me going out to people, and I know a lot of people now, and I actually have a very unusual uh, job where I 
I uh, find executives for studios and networks, like high-level executives. It's a very unusual job. Well, not really, but most people call it a headhunter. Or yeah, a, it's really a... not like that. But it, but it's, a, but I work for a company that does that, and wow. and it's a very it's stealthy just a matching company. Yeah, it's very stealthy, and and they've been around a long time. It's very a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. It's like the opposite of show business. You're actually trying to find out what people really do, and then you're trying to tell people that, like, and find out how good they are. You're a wonderful communicator. Do you do you get that? I mean, is that would you talk to my daughter? Writer. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> you can really form a sentence. Yeah. I mean, you are capable of moving an idea from here to there. That is a, an, a remarkable skill that I think very few people are even aware of, let alone have. Well, it's just I learned from my mother, who was a that. great storyteller, like the best storyteller I ever met in my life. And could tell you a story about a tuna sandwich from 1946 and make it sound like the most exciting thing you've ever heard of. And she just had it. She, she was a public speaker. She spoke in front of people. She never wrote anything down. She just understood it. And I asked her one day, I said, Ma, you go out. You don't have anything written. And you're talking to an audience. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And she said, well, first, the first, Boston accent, first thing is I know it's not about me. That's number one. Yeah. That's number one. The second thing, I don't give a crap. My mother would really talk like that. You know, I don't give a crap. Are you from Boston? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, Connecticut kid. Close by. Yeah. Stam- a lot of Stanford? My, yeah, I was born in Stanford Hospital. Okay. Grew up in Wilton. Wilton, I know Wilton. Do you? I do. Why? No, I was near Why? There. Why do you know Wilton? I think I've done one-nighters near there, around, in, in the general vicinity. You might have driven through it. Yeah, in the gen- <laughs> the it's way. small. Yeah, tiny little bedroom community. Wilton, yeah. I didn't do remember. I grew up in Dorchester. I basically grew up where Ben Affleck picks up Matt Damon. Yeah, that's in my house Southie. basically. That's your that's the place. Pretty much the house I grew up in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the 1960s, in our neighborhood, was the KKK, the SDS, the Black Panthers, the Jewish Defense League, and they all convened at the same time. And it was a famous, you know, kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. They all were there at the same time. And this was busing and... Uh, but not at the same place. Sometimes. At the same place at the same sometimes. time? Sometimes. The neighborhood. There was a lot of violence. Well, I'm picturing that scene from Anchorman where they, you know, some guys... <laughs> it's kind of... It was kind of like that. <laughs> it really was kind of like that. Wow. Yeah, it was a very volatile uh, time and place. But it was also a neighborhood that people walked around in their house coats and their pajamas because that's how people existed in those days. They, you saw people as they were, which is different than today, where everybody's isolated. And before you go out, you are aware that people are going to see you and you mm. care about it. No one – they didn't have a time to – we were just people. Put on my face. I'm, there's no face. It's like I'm going out. I look like hell. I am hell. And I will go down the street as hell. And so will the other people. Yeah. And you rubbed off on people. And that's why this, even though it was a crazy community, um, people didn't have the same kind of anxiety that they have today because they, they checked themselves by being around other people. They rubbed off on other, each, people rubbed off on each other. So it wasn't just your parents who were responsible for taking care of you. It was your parents and your grandfather and your crazy uncle and that's your so grandmother. And, you know, yeah, like yeah, every absolutely. other culture, I absolutely. guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you feel that that had anything to do with 
with who you are and the whole when you and your mom and the whole 100 percent. that is really cool to me sitting at a table listening to people tell stories and feeling a warmth that you belong to something yeah. that you're part of something that's you're trying to get back to that feeling your whole life that's why you want to be a talk show host right right that's why i want to be a talk show host. it's the same thing wow you, it's the only reason it's like you want to have that feeling yeah. This is amazing. I'm getting the uh, signal that it's time to wrap it up. Okay. I've really enjoyed this, and I could definitely talk to you more. <laughs> if you ever feel like coming sure. back, please, please do. Oh, I me didn't really too. get to anything on the card even just because the conversation just kind of went where it went. Well, me too. You're, you're, it's, it's really nice to be with somebody who's a good host. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say thank you. Okay. Uh, this is a segment we do call Final Thoughts. It's your opportunity. I feel like this was designed for you. It's your opportunity to uh, speak directly to camera and anybody at home. If you've uh, got any advice or uh, words for this world, here's your opportunity. If you're going to choose a peanut butter, why are you going chunky? Seriously, why are you pretending that it's not peanut butter? Why are you pretending that it has to be smooth? It's from a nut. Live the nut. Accept your own nuttiness. That's my, and that really can be used by you, Jeff, for you planters. And by the way, I'm happy to help you. Uh, go nuts. Thank you so much. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank Mrs. You. Ryan, what do we have tomorrow? Uh, I'm blanking. Shoot. I have here artist Gary Schechner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's bringing a piece of artwork. Oh, all. wait. This is the guy when that Porsche girl mm -hmm. was here. She was wearing the shirt. That yeah. was a collaboration. The gears. Awesome, awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Stuttgart Gageart is what I always hashtag. Yes. Awesome. All right. So Gary Schechner will be here tomorrow. Yeah. Mrs. Ryan, I love you so very much. I love you too. Ed, we love you so very much. And I feel the same. I love you guys. You're great. You're really, this is very, uh, this is a very unusual experience and a great one. <laughs> I'm going to actually, I mean, it's great to feel, it's great to talk to people who are good at what they do. What can Thank you, you say? Yeah. This guy's amazing. Have a great night. We love you at home. Please love one another. See you tomorrow.